Hi, Rabia. Hey, Ellen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. And we are back with another episode of Rabia and Ellen Solve the Case. This one I was dreading. But we got to give the people what they want. Our DMs were flooded for this episode. Yeah, but to be fair, our guests picked the case today. Um, But I was so excited when these guests reached out and said they would love to be on the show. Yes, I was so happy when... Rachel Bilson, who I've been a fan of for years, and Olivia Allen, they do that amazing podcast, Broad Ideas. Broad Ideas. They're like best friends, and they have a podcast. It's amazing. I love it. And they're total true crime buffs. These women know their stuff. I loved it. This is basically my hypothesis just playing out. I was like, there are people in every like nook and cranny of this world, celebrities we all know, and all kinds of public people with public profiles who are secret true crime fans, and we yeah. are going to draw them out. And, and we drew them out. We drew Olivia and Rachel. Rachel out. <laughs> yeah, and they were amazing. So yeah. let's get to our conversation. Let's get to it. So with that, we are so excited to welcome Rachel and Olivia. Hello, beautiful ladies. Hello. We're Hello. so happy to be here. Thank welcome you for to having our show. us. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. We have so much to talk about, about this case and everything, but we just wanted to get to know you a little bit and let our listeners get to know you. Um, of course, Rachel, you've been on a million TV shows accused <laughs> in Nashville, but I'm sure for most of your life, most people will always remember you as Summer Roberts from the OC. Is that okay? Are you mad about that? (laughs) I'm never mad about that or at that. I love Summer, loved playing Summer, and I am grateful for her till the day I die. (laughs) (laughs) that's the attitude (laughs) I love that and then you and Olivia are best friends have been for a long time and Olivia I learned that you have a master's in spiritual psychology so I did a yeah I did a master's program in spiritual psychology which is basically learning all the different stuff about psychology but with a spiritual kind of influence yeah it's more like bringing the soul into it I've never even heard of it until now, but that sounds absolutely fascinating. Does it have kind of like a supernatural element to it? or No, it really doesn't. I thought it was, and that's why I went, because I was like, ooh, this is <laughs> ooh, so <ghosts."> cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love ghosts and all that stuff. Mm. It was actually a lot less woo-woo than you would think by what it's called. But basically, it's got, there's, you know, meditation, and really when you're working with people, really finding out like, what is your soul seeking to learn from this experience and how you can make it for you rather than against you and a lot of healing and stuff like that. But it's not that out there. Do you actually practice? Yeah, I do. I have clients. I do. It's basically like life coaching, um, a little bit different than typical therapy or typical life coaching. It's not like, what's your goal and how can we do it? You know, it's more... Like, how can we start to retell ourselves different stories so that we have a different experience? I love it. Love it. I, I want, love it. I want a podcast just about that. That's all I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. It really is. You guys have your podcast, Broad Ideas. First of all, I love your theme song. Your theme song <laughs> is... Who wrote that theme song? It is so cute. Our other best friend, Leah Griffin, wrote it and co-wrote it with our other friend, Charlotte Lawrence, who's an amazing musician. And we had an amazing singer cover it, Genevieve Schatz. And 
it was so fun how it came together and it really speaks to who we are and what our podcast is. And we were so thrilled with how it came out. <laughs> I love it. You guys pretty much talk about everything. I love how honest <laughs> you guys are. It's pretty cool. Thanks. Yeah, we that's why we wanted to do it. We thought it was important because as best friends, like we're always talking about all the things, you know, and something, you know, being in the public eye, you tend to filter yourself. And we just thought it was really nice to create this safe space where not only women, but anyone can come and share whatever it is and kind of take the stigma away from it or, or anything taboo and just bring awareness to it and be super open and create this space. And it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And we hope that they, they either walk away with a laugh or an insight, mm. you oh. know. I like that. You're like, yeah. I didn't know we I didn't know we that. did that. <laughs> well, that's what I kind of feel like. It's like you don't feel like you're wasting your time because mm -hmm. you're at least gaining an insight and a laugh. And no, that's you know. great. That's our tagline. And hanging out no, with some friends. So do you guys also, right. um, as best friends, talk about true crime together? Yeah. Well, like super obsessed with true crime. Like I feel like inside I'm a detective. Like that's mm. my calling. You know, I've caught ex-boyfriends doing too late. shit. Like I feel like oh. I really have a handle on this. But mm. when it comes to cold cases, like I get so into it. And I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Like why I'm obsessed with this serial killer documentary? Like am, is there something wrong with me inside? But it's obviously a common thread with a lot of people that are so fascinated by this stuff. So I love that you're doing this podcast and we were so thrilled that we could actually dive into one of one of the most famous cases. Oh yeah. Well, before we jump in, yes. we like to do a little thing at the top of our show called Three Quick Things, where Rabia and I each ask you a question and then we ask all of our guests the same question. So go ahead with yours first, Rabia. So my question to both of you is film or theater? Mm. I'm going to go film. I'm going to mm. go theater. Oh, okay. Okay. Were you ever an actor, Olivia? Yeah. You were. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I've been acting my whole life. I still study and, you know, do that and do theater. Have you done theater? Like oh, you have done I have a do done. Theater. I've done a lot of theater. I have a done. <laughs> I have done a lot of theater. <laughs> theater is actually my heart. Uh, like, I love it. I do and love Rachel, theater. you haven't? Rachel, you haven't? I haven't. have. Like, I started out, like, in high school and stuff, like, that's what got me into acting and really wanting to do it was theater. I love theater. Mm. I think I have too much anxiety now in my older age to actually do anything live. <laughs> but I would love to. I mean, I, I have such an appreciation for it. I'm obsessed with it. Musicals. I'm a total musical nerd. Like, mm. all theater. So I just went film because why not? Because <laughs> I can watch it in my bed. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to leave my house. You can do retakes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ellen, yes. your question. All right. So my question is, you're both moms, and which is amazing. And again, I love how honest your podcast is. It was just, it's really refreshing. I was like doing stuff around the house. I was like, yeah, thank you. So... But Ellen's basically trying to say she wants to be on the show. I don't know how many different ways she can like <laughs> yeah. um, yes. make this obvious. Anytime. Yes. yes. Anytime. <laughs> because most people who are listeners and fans of Robbie and I know we're we're kind of the same. We pretty yeah. much tell it how it is. So it's always really Love refreshing. It. So I want to know what's the thing you hate about being moms? Ooh. Mm. Oh God. The sleep. Oh, I the know lack it. thereof. Yeah, the lack of sleep. Yeah, I will say what I really, I just got a call from her school that my daughter was hurt at school and she's okay. But I think the anxiety that comes with having a kid, that's probably my least favorite part because it's like all fear and anxiety. Yeah. And that's mm. probably my least favorite thing. Yeah, or mm -hmm. the crippling anxiety that comes with being yeah. a mom. Or that. <laughs> I, I do like my sleep though. Yeah. I miss it. Yeah. 
It's gone. Forever. I think sleep deprivation probably makes the top of the list for a lot of moms. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I feel like it takes years to get it back. Like you're just I don't on think a you deficit. ever get it back. I think you're constantly worried about your kid even when they're like thirty five and have a family of their own. Like I don't know That's if it'll fair. ever go away. But definitely That's not fair. the first eighteen years. <laughs> Wait, how old are your kids? Uh, my daughter is turning eight this month. Okay. And mine are three and a half and seven. Little ones. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right, fun. Rabia, give them the big one. The big one is, why this case? Why are you drawn to this case? Mm. Oh, God. Because I'm a mom. That's oh, why. Oh, I like that answer. Yeah. I just liked it because I know how good you guys are at solving these things. And it's like one of the biggest ones left, like the biggest cold cases ever that I've been hearing most of my life about, it feels like. Yeah. And I'm like, I want answers. I do oh, so too. you're here to get the case solved, is what you're saying. That, yeah, yeah, no pressure. No pressure, you guys. <laughs> but, like, that's what needs to happen today. All right. So with that, the case that Rachel and Olivia has chosen is one that you all have messaged us hundreds of times <laughs> about. And that is the murder of Jean Benet Ramsey. The couple of days after Christmas in 1996, most likely, no matter where you lived, you probably might remember your local papers and magazines were flooded with images of this beautiful six-year-old blue-eyed blonde girl who was like just angelic looking. She was a pageant girl from a very wealthy family in sparkly dresses. I mean, those are the images most of us saw named John Bonet Ramsey. And the reason we were flooded with these images was because she had been found murdered in her family's home. It was a story none of us could believe. It was a mystery that all these years we are still desperate to solve. It's one of the most notorious cases in true crime. And 25 years later, despite every possible speculation, the one thing we actually know is that her killer remains free because nobody has been arrested in this case. So here's your crash course on the murder of John Bonet Ramsey. Jean Benet was born August 6, 1990, to John, a self-made millionaire, and Patricia, who everyone called Patsy, who was a former Miss West Virginia. Jean Benet also had an older brother, Burke Ramsey, as well as two half-siblings, John and Melinda Ramsey, and another half-sister, Elizabeth, who passed in 1992 at age 22 from a car accident. They lived in this stunning home in Balder, Colorado. The conspiracies of this little girl's murder piled on top of dead ends with a dash of mishandled evidence and a false confession makes this crime more confusing than my mom's Wi-Fi password. Seriously, mom, no one is trying to pirate your internet. Chill out. <laughs> it just feels like every stone had been turned. It felt like every theory was exhausted. Members of the family were all made a suspect and other possibilities such as an intruder, the local Santa, the housekeeper, the electrician were all eliminated through DNA. But on top of all of that, the family was really publicly accused of sexualizing Jean Benet by forcing her into these pageants. And then talk of sexual abuse circulated. But we need to focus on the facts. So here is what we know. On Christmas night, the Ramsey family went to a holiday party, and early the next morning, which was December 26, 1996, uh, John and Patsy, um, they had to get up early because they had a family trip planned to Lake Michigan, and they discovered what would be a parent's worst nightmare. Their daughter was missing from her bed, and but be, they only discovered that because as Patsy was coming downstairs like at 5.30 a.m., around 5 a.m., she discovered a ransom note on their stairwell demanding 
Exactly, $118,000. And we will talk about this crazy-ass note, maybe the weirdest freaking thing ever I've seen in a case. Of course, the police immediately suspected the parents. The police came within like six minutes of them making a 911 call. And hours later, the police, who did not do a thorough search themselves, suggest, hey, John, why don't you and a friend go check out, see if anything's been missing from the house. They go into the basement, and uh, John comes running upstairs with John Bonnie's body. And he had found her down there, like down in the basement, um, found her covered in a blanket, and there was apparently like some tape on her mouth, and he took that off. So obviously he's disturbed the crime scene in all kinds of ways. The autopsy revealed that JonBenet's cause of death was asphyxiation due to strangulation in addition to a skull fracture. Like Rabia said, her mouth was covered in duct tape and her wrists and her neck were wrapped in a white cord. Now, once this went public, a media storm erupted. And in 1999, the grand jury voted that there was probable cause to charge John and Patsy Ramsey with child abuse resulting in death and accessory to first-degree murder. But the DA refused to sign that indictment, which is why they didn't file charges. So this is all anyone could talk about. Lou Smith, one of the detectives on the case, immediately also suspected the Ramseys, but after much investigation, he came up with the intruder theory, which we will talk about. The Ramseys also maintained their innocence for in every TV interview you would see. But like with all family, that seems picture perfect on the outside. Once people dug deep, there was darkness in this family. So there's a lot that's unknown in this case, but the one thing we do know that there has been absolutely no justice for this little girl's murder. And another thing we know is that if we want to start a heated debate, uh, say these five words, who killed John Benet Ramsey? Rabia, how's my skin looking? It is, you're glowing. I am glowing. You're glowing, yeah. <laughs> well, in your closet, yeah. It, <laughs> the glow of my closet. So I've been using apostrophe now for a couple of months, and I gotta say, I'm liking it a lot. The thing about apostrophe is it helps you kind of clear through the clutter. If you go to a pharmacy, you go to a department store, I mean, you go online, it's just like we are just drowning in choices of skincare and stuff. But what apostrophe does is cut through all that clutter and helps you figure out what is right for you. Right. It's actually the first time I've had prescription skincare because they offer science-backed oral and topical medications, and it's all helped proven to clear acne. And I've had years and years of wearing stage makeup and then I just pile the makeup on and I cover it and I just keep covering it and I've never really gotten to the root of the problem and you just take this online quiz you took the quiz oh yeah I took the quiz it was very quick and simple but here's the thing though I mean the quiz is quick and simple but you know skincare can be complicated like I can't figure out am I oily am I like am I dry am I both what am I supposed to do and that's why we were so excited to partner with apostrophe the sponsor of this episode Right, because you snap a few selfies and that way they can see exactly what's going on. And then a board certified dermatologist creates this whole customized treatment plan just for you. My favorite part, you've got a dermatologist right there online. Right. We have a special deal for our audience. You get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash solve the case when you use our code solve the case. That's a savings of $15 and the code is only available to our listeners. So to get started, go to apostrophe.com slash solve the case and click begin visit. Then use our code solve the case to sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. And don't forget the sunscreen. Thank you apostrophe for sponsoring <laughs> this episode. 
Ellen, do you know that it's almost the end of the year, which means what? Which means I'm not sure what year you're talking about. What year is it? Girl, it is holiday season. They're here. It just all went so fast. Every year, the holidays come at the same time, but they just seem to sneak up on us. And I know everyone is always looking for a stress-free solution in every part of our life. But let's talk about the post office. The stress-free solution I need in the holidays is getting gifts to people, getting cards to people, getting the mail out. I don't want to stand in the line at the post office. It is a nightmare. Right, because we all have the best of intentions sending gifts, but actually doing it is really hard. So Mm -hmm. Stamps.com is the solution because there's no lines, there's no traffic, there's no hassle. All you need is a computer and a printer. It is so easy. And for small businesses, when we were sending out merch for Obsessed with Disappeared, I did it all from my living room. I might be stressed out as somebody who's got to send out gifts, but can you imagine if you're a small business and you have to send out products at this time? Stamps.com will save you. Okay. They have a great switch and save feature where you can easily compare carriers and rates. So you know, you're getting the best deal every time. And right now, every single dollar counts, you know that. And you can get major discounts with the U.S. Postal Service and UPS rates up to 86% off. I am always looking for a coupon and a way to save. So you know I've been using Stamps.com for a long time. So get ahead of the holiday chaos this year and get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code SOLVETHECASE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page and enter the code SOLVETHECASE. And then send us a message about how much easier we made your life. The first thing I have to say is we're only doing this one conversation. I feel like this is a 27-part TED Talk when yeah, you right. dive into this. But no, yeah. as of right now, how are you guys feeling? Before we like sort of talk about it and talk about different theories, because as anybody knows in this case, there are three main theories and we can go ahead and and say it's John and Patsy Ramsey, the Burke theory, and then the intruder theory. How old was the brother again? Nine. At the time? At the time. He was nine? nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you guys thinking right now? Like going into this conversation, (laughs) where is your head at? You know, I, I will say like a lot of the times I go off of instinct and like gut and whatever. And for some reason, I'm like, that brother is super shady. Like, I don't know, like seeing his face, I'm like, there is something shady about this dude. I don't know if he necessarily actually killed her, but because of what I've read, I mean, she went to the emergency room because he like hit her with a golf club before. So, I mean, clearly the kid's not stable. Okay. As far as I'm concerned, I don't know if he actually killed her, but I do think it's a family cover-up. So that's where you're at. That's where you're starting off. Okay. That's where I'm starting off. What about you? I don't think he killed her. And here's why. I just think that the whole entire thing was a bit sophisticated, right? So maybe something happened with the brother that the parents were trying to cover up. For some reason, I feel like oh, and I have the chills. Ooh. Ooh. I I think that Patsy had something to do with it, whether it was something that went wrong with Burke and then Patsy covered it up. That's just my instinct. It's kind of similar. Like it's we're very kind of on similar. the same page. But like someone was sophisticated enough to like tie her, tape her, the ransom note. 
like let's talk about it let's talk about the ransom note let's start there sure why not can i just start like real quickly just to set Uh up like the chronology real quick because so that we we mentioned the crash course that they were at a a christmas party that night the ramsey say that they got home and john fell asleep in the car john carried up to bed patsy came in changed her into her long johns and and nightgown or whatever and by 9 30 she was like in bed and then john played with his son for a little bit because he got some christmas toys and then they went to bed like around 10 so the family went to bed fairly early so they say and then patsy was up like at 5 a.m mm-hmm. all right so now now she comes down the stairs and there's a note the first thing is it's two and a half pages yeah. it's two and a half pages long i mean and the oddities just stack up first of all i don't think i've ever written two and a half pages ever <laughs> <laughs> it is a handwritten note. So the fact that- On her that, stationary. Yes, yes. That's what I was, yes. Patsy's on her stationary, stationary. The weird things were, it quoted that Mel Gibson movie, Ransom. Do you remember the amount that it asked for? 118000 which was his like bonus, Christmas right? bonus or something? The dad's Christmas, or bonus that year. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but she, so if it was the family, why would they put that number? Here's the thing. A lot of people say, oh, it was in Patsy's handwriting. To be clear, a forensic document examiner has never conclusively said that it was Patsy. The only thing they said was it wasn't John. They took lots of writing samples from the family. I mean, like they're like, well, maybe if somebody did it with their left hand or was doing it with with their actual writing hand and tried to disguise it. But here's the thing that I that stood out for me with this note. I don't know how well you guys know the Heyman Lee case or Adnan's case, but in the first version of events, the state's witness who just made all, all the shit up, when he told the police that they went to him and Adnan went to this park and they're like, well, what did Adnan do there? He said, oh, he stared out into the distance, like the star thousand yard stare and was like, I killed that bitch. I mean, like it sounds like the kind of thing you think hard ass people thugs and killers and people like that say in movies like made up this is to me this ransom note is actually not very sophisticated it is to me it's like somebody playing playing like i am a foreign faction i am somebody like like, what is that like what it was like how to write a ransom note for dummies right like i'm part of this international you know the scary thing and he gives it away by saying 118 you're asking a millionaire for 118 thousand dollars the guy doesn't even need the bonus right it's like a fraction of his actual pay so to me this note really shows whoever wrote it if it's somebody outside of the family if it is an intruder which is where I lean, then oh, I, okay. yeah, I'll just put that out front, but I'll, and I'll explain why later, but that this is somebody who just is just small time, petty, dumbass type of person. And also, first of all, there's no fire under anyone's ass. It's like, dear diary, yeah. you know, and, I mean, <laughs> right. it's not like, have yeah. your kid no, give yeah. me this money or she gets it. It's like, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call <laughs> you between 8 and 10 a.m. I was like, well, take your sweet ass time. That's a two hour window. It's so oddly worded and the quoting. You know what I wonder? What? I wonder if given like the length of it, right? If somebody is like literally sitting in their whatever family room or kitchen writing this note on her pad of paper i wonder two things number one what if they had already had the note written out somewhere else and they just like did it over because if they had left a note 
And we've all seen this in movies. Like, you know, if you leave, if a kidnapper leaves a ransom note, the, the police will try to trace the paper and trace the mail and trace the envelope. Maybe they thought we can write it over. Or I wonder if they were already in the house before this family got home because of that window. But anyway. <laughs> Olivia's yeah, but like, here, yeah, but here's my question. So, so this is what doesn't make sense to me in that you write a ransom note, you put it on the stairs. Someone that is going to go to that length to get $118,000 and write a ransom note, wouldn't they wait to see if they got the money before killing the daughter? That's the whole thing was, was it an accident? Should it have happened? But if you're going to kidnap, why are you in the basement of the home? Like if you're going to take the kid, if it was someone actually kidnapping her, they would have taken her. They wouldn't keep her in the basement. Right. right. I, I mean, we know I, it wasn't a ransom. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. a right. ransom situation. I mean, I think there's a possibility that they 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 were taking her downstairs and they left the note there thinking I'm going to take her out of that window. And there was some evidence to show there was a suitcase by that window, which they assumed was used for somebody to step onto to get out the window. But there's also like a blanket inside the suitcase. Maybe she was like they were thinking I'm going to stick her in the suitcase and take her out. I wonder if she just woke up and or if she, you know what I mean? Like at that point, like they, they ended up killing her without ex, like without planning to. I don't know. But what about like the sexual abuse that's like tied to it as well? Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk. We got to talk about we'll that. Okay, the Sorry, there's so much. I know yeah. it's like oh, all over the place because there's so much. I know. <laughs> it's so, so much. We need right. like a 12-part series. So but, Ellen, let's talk about the crime scene and why it was completely yes. effed. Why right. it was totally effed. <laughs> So Patsy wakes up and she calls the police at 5.52. Here's her 911 call. 5:55. I mean, if you if you're gonna live anywhere, live in Boulder, apparently, because Maybe those three cops minutes on. Yeah. <laughs> now there's so much speculation from that 911 call that we can we can go back to, but they get there and the the cops are there immediately. But here is what they didn't do. What did they not? do immediately, Rabia. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, when they get there, apparently there are also other people that uh, people other than the family there. Like, because the Ramses have called other people. They get in the foyer and there's, like, friends standing around. They do not secure the scene at all. And I know in hindsight, some of the detectives have been like, well, we thought it was a kidnapping and not a murder. It doesn't matter. It's all a crime scene. A kidnapping is a crime, folks. They didn't secure the scene. They didn't tell people to get out. They did not do a thorough search. They didn't cordon anything off. They just were kind of wandering around looking at stuff. I'm not quite sure what they did for all those hours. 
Well, also something that's really curious to me is that in the ransom note, it said, don't tell anyone, don't call anyone. And then they were like, actually, let's call everyone. And people were walking and cleaning and eating and nibbling and freak. It was like it was a little open house, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, I, I don't work for law enforcement, but I'm pretty sure your first priority in an investigation is to ensure that the crime scene remains preserved and boom it was done but, but here's the thing the law enforcement should have known that a family might not know that and here, here's oh, my no. question. we're all moms we're all moms here yeah god forbid one of our no. we end up with a note like that and we have no idea where our kid is and it says do not call the police are we really not going to call the police and also weren't the cops on the scene like not actual no um, they weren't homicide, homicide they weren't they were detectives? like a, a theft auto theft one or something this was the first murder all year that this police department even had but the fbi got involved pretty quickly because they thought it was a kidnapping and as soon as they realized it was a murder the fbi was like okay fine if you need our help we're here but boulder was like no we're good they were not good what yeah but you're right rachel because one was in auto theft and i think one was in narcotics yeah Yeah. Yeah. so there was no homicide detectives there they were just like we'll send stan over there stan's real good at this kind of thing no they stan wasn't good at that kind of thing at all (laughs) and so beyond the chaos of the crime scene which was obviously never secured and you know it was basically destroyed There was also no official police walkthrough. So I think both everybody knows this, that that detective that was there was like sent John and his friend Fleet White. I was like, hey, can you just go check around for me? I I guess my question is, who does that? Right. Like, can you go check out the crime scene? Or no, it wasn't a crime scene then, right? So can you go? Well, it's still a crime scene. It's still there was a crime a scene. But, oh, it is you know, considered a crime scene. And this was, I think um, her name was uh, detect- like Arendt, Officer Linda Arendt, Arendt. And Linda Arendt. Yeah. And she apparently was like, just go and look and see if something's anything's missing or anything stands out to you. I mean, if anything, she should have done the walkthrough with them so that when they discovered right. John Bonet, she would have been like, we're not disturbing this scene at all. Rabia, we have a new sponsor and I I'm can, so excited. I cannot say enough good things about it. So it's a company called Wild Grain. Now, here is another difference between you and I. You love to cook, me not so much. Okay, love is a stretch. I okay. have to cook, okay? But sometimes <laughs> I don't love to cook, which is another reason I love Wild Grain. So it's the first bake from frozen box for artisanal bread. But also, I had the most amazing homemade pasta. Now, I'm Italian, and please don't cringe. My daughter rarely has homemade pasta. I usually use the dry stuff. But there is such a difference because they only use clean ingredients, unbleached, non-GMO flour. And let me tell you, it was so easy to come home and not have to stress about what I was going to make for dinner. We had pasta and warm bread. Oh my God. Listen, I am a bread snob and Wild Grains artisanal bread was incredible. And we baked it and our house and our kitchen and our house smelled like I had actually made it from scratch. It was amazing. And this holiday season, Wild Grain is featuring delicious new limited time sweet treats. They have pumpkin cinnamon rolls. This is my favorite. Orange cranberry biscuits. Mm. Chocolate avalanche croissants. Get, I mean, croissant. get out of town. You said croissant. You said it right. Croissant. Croissant. 
And here's the thing. You can also feel good about using Wild Grain, not just because it's everything's delicious, but because for every new member to Wild Grain, they will donate six meals to the Greater Boston Food Bank. Amazing. So far, they've donated over 120,000 meals. I always love a company that gives back and mm-hmm. also makes my life easier. Are you hungry already? For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash solve the case to start your subscription. You heard Rabia. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash solve the case. That's wildgrain.com slash solve the case, or you can use promo code solve the case at checkout. It's so delicious. Croissant. That's when they do discover Jean Benet and they find her downstairs with the, you know, the cord tying her wrist and there was this, is it, do you say a garret or a garrote? I think I it's a garrote, no? I thought it's a, a garrote. A gar- no. uh-oh. <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> a garrote was used. What is that? Yeah, let's, well, let's explain this. So, Jamé had this length of nylon cord, white cord, wrapped around her one wrist. The other wrist was free. And then there was mm-hmm. the same cord wrapped around her neck. And in the back of it, a groat is something that's used. It's an instrument that used to be used actually to execute people really as recently as just a couple oh, decades okay. ago. And basically, the idea is that you kind of tighten a mechanism. It, it could be a piece of wood that's that's like this was. This was a piece of wood. It was the handle from a paintbrush. And you just twist it and twist it and twist it until that person basically asphyxiates. The thing about it is that it's not the kind of thing a lot of people know about or even have, right. like, you know, nobody even, like, nobody's heard this word, like, as we're looking at this, you yeah. know, case, all of us, we don't even know how to pronounce it. It's certainly <laughs> not, not not the kind of thing that I would expect a nine-year-old to know or even a, no. uh, a 40-year-old beauty pageant mother. The way she was killed, the instrument that was used to kill her, like, says something to me. That's mm. not normal. It's also, by the way, she was tiny. Getting your hand, for a grown man to get his hand around her neck and just literally strangle her or snap the neck would have been very easy. This was almost, I think, used as a way to control her because you can tighten it to control somebody, you can loosen it to, yeah, and then finally, and it's a really, it's just brutal. It's a terrifying way to kill somebody, you know. It's terrifying for the person who's experiencing it. But that kind of, to me, represents what the ransom note represents. It's almost like... If I were going to Google how to right. how to make it look like someone murdered someone, like I would probably do all like they did it in such a precise way that almost is the same as the ransom note, which it doesn't seem to me like an intruder. I don't know. It's just so much time to do both of those things. It's very theatrical. It's very it's, theatrical. It's really and if over you, the top. unless you were covering it. If you were covering covering it, you'd be like, "How do I do Did this Google to make cool, then?" You know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Googling was a thing then, frankly. But um, and I don't know how many movies something like this showed up in. But I look. There have been plenty of cases in which parents have killed their children accidentally. It wasn't just this. It was you know she had been probably sexually assaulted. She had been yeah. bashed in the head. There were marks on her body that suggested a stun gun, but that's, again, it's not like definitive, but it looks like a stun gun, which would have, 
explained why maybe she didn't have defensive wounds, if she had been stunned into submission. I also think there's a possibility, whoever, if there, if this was an intruder, that they were thinking they could use this implement to control her, maybe even make her pass out but not kill her, but then she actually died from it. I think that's also a possibility. I think the blow to the head, the stun gun, there were two marks on her body, and they look like stun guns, was to basically control her and keep her subdued. But it could be that she was killed not on purpose, but accidentally, yeah. while they were trying to get get out of the house with her. So yeah. do you think the theory would be an intruder came in, but it wasn't intentionally to get her, but she like woke up and came No, no, in. I think it was to get her. It was to specifically get her. Oh, definitely. I mean, like, I think that note, I mean, like, you know, you don't come up with a note like that on the fly. <laughs> Somebody had planned that note out. More of what you said about her skull. So it's really important to know that it was an 8.5 inch fracture and it was on the mm -hmm. right side of her head i mean mm -hmm. make that with your hand that's mm -hmm. really big however there wasn't scalp trauma there was no blood and it, it didn't in, break the scalp yeah yeah so what could that be that's a great question a lot of people use the flashlight theory so there was right. a flashlight found in the crime scene and it was a, a mag light flashlight like a mm -hmm. heavy flashlight it was wiped. There was not a print on the batteries, not a print on the flashlight. I Googled the weight of that flashlight. It's about one and a half pounds, but the weight of the batteries would have been an additional five pounds. Mm. What? And if you yeah, of the D batteries. So Those if you huge. think of something hitting the yeah. head, you would think it would break the skin. That flashlight, mm -hmm. I would think, would break the skin. But the autopsy didn't even note. They didn't even know there was any trauma to the head on first what? sight. Yeah. Hmm. So it's going to be a blunt object, meaning it's an object that didn't actually cut her scalp. I will say this. The force involved here is not just the weight of the flashlight. It's the force of whoever actually hit her with it, right? Yeah. My, mm -hmm. my brother, um, when my brother was seven years old and my sister was, oh, my brother was six, excuse me. My sister was like nine. He threw a little toy car at her. She was laughing or something, talking. He threw a toy car, car at her really fast and hard and it broke like her tooth right off like the front. So, I mean, like, you know, like you have to think about like the velocity, the, the, the mass, the force behind mm -hmm. it, all of that. And a six-year-old skull is like... Like this big. Yeah. It's Still, tiny. Yeah. It's pretty fragile. She was so little. It's it's so hard to hear because we talk about this and talk about the facts, but she was just a little girl. It's real. It was brutal. It was awful. Yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. One of you had mentioned before about the pineapple. Which one of mm -hmm. you was? She just said pineapple. I said yeah. maybe it was the pineapple. Well, yeah. Yeah. So so <laughs> talk a little bit about the pineapple because I, I have a theory about that too. Oh, you do? Well, I know yeah. that there's like, I, there were theories that I was reading about because there was the bowl of pineapple and pineapple was supposedly found in her digestive system or partially digested pineapple in her stomach. Uh, and the bowl had Burke's prints on it. So the theory was that it was his pineapple and she went to take some and he got mad or something, right? Like that's one crazy theory going around. Yeah. I actually just want to say this because we've moved this recording twice and I have not stopped researching this case the whole I know. time. Yeah. Every I know. two days, Ellen is like, I have no, I've changed my mind. I know. <laughs> I, I know. On everything that is holy, how many times have I texted you that I figured it out, Rabia? So I have, <laughs> do this has become so much of a pet project of mine that I keep going back and forth. And every time we, we move it, I'm like, okay, good. I have another week to research. <laughs> the point of me saying that is that if you would have asked me a year ago, I absolutely would have said it was Burke and a parent cover-up. 
without question. And a lot of it has to do with this pineapple. For those of you who don't know, in Jean Benet's autopsy was something that they said fragments of a yellow to light green apparent vegetable or fruit material, which may represent pineapple. That's directly from the autopsy. And Burke and Patty's fingerprints were indeed on the bowl. Yep. However... <laughs> And it was it was pineapple and milk also. Is that a snack that people I'm eat? I'm sorry. I don't... The milk was inside the bowl with the pineapple? Very mm. weird. Yeah. yeah, there's pictures of it, yeah. So I guess my question is, what made us think that they were eating that pineapple that night at all? Maybe it was earlier in the day. I always was like, they snuck downstairs and had a midnight snack. Burke saw Jean Benet eating it and whapped her upside the head with the flashlight. But actually, nobody tested Burke's stomach for pineapple. Nobody, the only reason we even know that was Burke's was because his fingerprints were on the bowl. And they both could have eaten pineapple that day. If there was pineapple in the house, I mean, I have two kids. Most of the time, one kid ha eats something, the other one eats something. I don't see why that is such a thing. I mean, the other thing is this. So they were at a party earlier that evening, and there's also some speculation that there might have been a dessert that had some canned fruit in it. First of all, here's the problem with all of this. This is what happens when you have an absolute crap investigation. We don't know for sure it's pineapple. It's consistent right. with pineapple. We don't even know for sure that it's pineapple. By the way, right. they probably could have DNA tested and, and found the DNA of pineapple if they wanted to. Everything in that house should conceivably have the fingerprints of people who live in that house on it. When me and my daughter do the dishes, you know what I mean? I put them in the dishwasher. She picks them up and she puts them, you know, she, she empties the dishwasher. Yeah. At some point, both of our, you know, I, so that's just the problem is it's not, it doesn't rise to evidence that suggests we have no idea. I would expect all their dishes to have their, their fingerprints on it, sure. except for yeah. John's, which makes total sense. I would be really, it would be shocking that the husband and father would have done the dishes. So <laughs> that makes total sense. But here's what really gets to me about that pineapple. The police weren't like, let me open the fridge and see if there's pineapple in here. Did it come from a freezer? Where the hell did this pineapple come from? Did they ask? There were people in that house for hours. I can guarantee if somebody shows up at 5.30 a.m. because they think your kid's missing and they're trying to support you and then the nine-year-old wakes up and others, they're, they're like eating snacks and making coffee and they've got tea going, you know. People, those are your friends. They're in your kitchen. They're your living mm -hmm. space. They're not going to sit there for six hours and not have a bite to eat or drink or anything like that. So they, all they had to do was ask somebody, who put this bowl of pineapple here? Right. Yeah. Somebody it, had it, to have done oh, that. It always comes down to this being a forensic nightmare. Right. It was a mess. I mean, the f I will never get over the fact that they, they were like, uh, we don't need crime scene, schmime scene. It yeah. doesn't matter. If that was evidence, the reason it can't be used as evidence was the police failed to secure it. I mean, that's where we're at. Yeah. So on that, the police did secure it. Two days after this oh, all God. happened, but they secured it because they let Patsy's sister take six trips in and out for Jean Benet's things for her funeral, for her services. Right. Let's go through the theories of we yeah. have the Patsy, the John, the Burke and the intruder. What are your ideas of motive or how or why <sighs> Patsy, John and Burke would have done it? Well, there's all those weird things, right, that are out there that Patsy, the housekeeper says, was moody, um, would maybe even punish Jean Benet, like for wetting her bed, like just like those kind of things that lean towards, okay, there's something going on, you know, possibly with this relationship. I don't know. And like the more we talk about it, like I, I, 
it, it, there's so many suspects and so many theories that it just your brain wants to explode because you'll get on one train and you're like, oh, absolutely. But then like you said, Ellen, you know, you're like keep researching and you're like, oh, no, now I have it solved. It's this. And I do think that there's something up with any mom that puts your kid in beauty pageants like that at six years old. Like that's, that's abuse as far as I'm concerned. I do think the sensationalism of this case really boosted it in terms of the tabloids and the media because of her involvement in pageants. A hundred percent. I really, really try my 100% utmost to not judge how other people raise their children. And that's really hard. I understand that we're fascinated with beauty, but child beauty, though, it brings up a lot of emotions. My gut reaction is that it, it, it does have such a, it has a, poor impact on a woman's self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I'm circling the airport. I'm going to bring it in for a landing. I point. I, I do have a point. <laughs> My point is that the behavior of the family and the pageantry of it all is very suspicious to me. And mm-hmm. I do think that's why it garnered so much attention. Why is that suspicious? Patsy herself was a pageant queen. I mean, yeah, like, that's no, how that's, she was raised. That's what I think, too. Well, I just think that it's... Like, look, I wouldn't put my, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't put my daughter in it because we know now the effects. Jean Benet is one of the cases that taught us the effects, right? Mm -hmm. But I think culturally, what Patsy probably grew up in, I don't think her intention was to, you know, exploit her daughter. I don't think it's like some evil scheme. I think they thought that was what was valuable. It was valuable for her. And this is not a family that's putting their daughter in a pageant for money. They're wealthy I was going to say, yeah. This is a prestige money, right? thing. This is a prestige yeah. thing. It's like a cultural, it's like those people yeah. with the dogs or the, like, it's what they grew up yeah. in. That's what they know. I don't want to get canceled for saying like, it's abuse if you put your kid in a pageant. Cause like I am, I try not to be judgmental, but I do think it does have a harmful effect or it can, right? I also think, you know what I mean? Look, I, I'm the kind of parent who I'm like, you know, my, my 13 year old runs cross country and she comes home exhausted and I keep saying, do you want to do this? We're not making you do this. If you want to do this, you do that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And there are parents who force their kids to play mm-hmm. piano 20, you know, 25 yeah. hours a week mm-hmm. and play tennis like six hours a day. I mean, like, all of that is problematic. I don't know how John Bonet felt. Maybe she thought it was fun. Maybe she was sure. The other thing is this. The other thing we actually don't know is how many pageants was she in? What what, what if it was like two pageants or three pageants no, it, and that's it? it. Was a, it was a lot. She was. Didn't she over. have like a personal photographer that's like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But when you were a kid, like, if I was a kid, I think I would have liked that. I remember seeing it as a kid and being like, I want to do that. And my mom being like, no. But, like, as a kid, she may not have been forced at all. It may have been really fun. Her and her girlfriends do it. I'm not, like, I mean, I just wonder, was she, like, on a circuit constantly where she's just being run ragged? Or is it just kind of like a fun thing once, uh, you know, every couple months, you know? I I don't know. And I think that also matters. It was quite a bit, but who knows if she actually liked it. I guess what I was saying was, in terms of Patsy's demeanor that a lot of people reported on, and honestly, she was raked over the coals in the media for her reaction in her interrogation. They weren't interrogated until a year and a half later. And remember, she got so mad, you know, go retest it. I would be the same. I'd be like, if you love your life, you will find my kid's killer. So I do not blame 
blame Patsy for her erratic behavior because I will show you every color of crazy if you mess with my kid. So mm -hmm. I'm not putting that on Patsy Ramsey. But That's that true. is something that was used to kind of lambast her in the media. And they didn't have a they 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 kind of couldn't win on this. Look, if they if no. they decided we're not doing any media, that's suspicious. When they did media, we picked apart every single yeah, you time. can't win. You can't win. Like, you know, they looked at each other weird. They were affectionate. They were not affectionate. They, you know, rolled their eyes. I mean, like every, they're screwed either way. But they did what most people would not have not done in the situation, which is like go on a meet, like, you know, talk to media. They did a lot of interviews. Yeah, that's a little, I mean, that's a little weird to do a lot. And oh, what about her 911 call? All right, let's talk about that. I mean, what, we're what, about what are your thoughts on her 911 call? Well, how they have it, they don't have the actual audio of it, right? They just have, like, the 911 operator saying as she was hanging up, and there was another person in the background. She's like, okay, I called 911, now what? And, like, a completely different demeanor. Yep. You are absolutely, you guys know your shit. I love oh, it. Oh, listen, we do you, take it seriously. Yeah. I'm not we were, kidding. We went, we went deep. <laughs> oh, it, and it's, it's hard not to, you know? Yeah. Right, right. But I thought the same thing, but... It went to audio specialists. So when Patsy is speaking to the operator, we could clearly see bright yellow and orange colors. And as I zoom in to the recording here, I can see the formants. This is a visual representation of sound. The brighter the color, the louder the volume. The sound changes right here. The section in question where people are hearing voices. We can see some sounds, but we don't see the formants like we saw over here. So I can't rely on those being words. There's just not enough signal to noise ratio in order to be able to perceive what those sounds are. And they could not identify anyone's voice. And someone also said that they heard Burke's voice in the mm -hmm. background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there was just nothing to corroborate that with. So where do you go from there, from the 911 operator who is dealing with a high pressure situation on Christmas Eve maybe she may, I don't know but there's no science behind it yeah it's mostly and speculation also, what does it mean too because like it, it did seem weird the way it was like okay her demeanor changed like I caught we called 911 now what right mm -hmm. but if you were in the state of panic because your child's missing like is that the craziest thing to do be like okay i called 911 well now, there i think their comment was that the whole demeanor like it wasn't all like yeah it was like concerned now it was like okay call them now what right that was what yeah. was stated you're right that's right what, i mean look when the police said. that were there that day said that all day she was weeping and inconsolable and like threw herself on the body and fainting and she was distraught and i can imagine in a situation like that if you're distraught you're in shock Maybe you're hysterical and then you're calm and then you're hysterical and then you're calm. I mean, I've been through stuff like that. <laughs> uh, again, I feel like there's just not enough there to to, and that's why, by the way, they could not be charged with this crime. You know, there just wasn't enough there. Right, but so you're saying they weren't charged with the crime. So that brings up, and I know this is a whole other part of the section of this is the mm -hmm. DNA stuff, right? So oh, yeah, yeah, the DNA. The I, I'm like so like I'm so confused by it and how were they actually exonerated like what can I talk DNA <laughs> please yeah go oh, baby DNA? all right okay so as far as the autopsy report's concerned um and also beyond the autopsy report like a dozen different experts look at this and I think this is important to talk about when we're talking about the family's involvement or not is that almost every expert who looked at the autopsy report said that they believe that there was acute vaginal trauma that was mm -hmm. preceding that 
night. Right. Meaning like she had had some trauma. It could have, they didn't know how long it had been going on. They didn't know if it had been ha- happened a few days earlier, but there was something there to suggest to almost everybody who looked at it that she had some vaginal trauma and some of it looked older than just as recently as, you know, that night. So the DNA was tested in lots of different rounds. I mean, I think like maybe four or five different times. It was like 97, 99, 2003, 2009. First of all, all the blood evidence that was found, there were different blood spots from her underwear and fingernails and long johns to, again, boil it all down. John Bonet Ramsey, of course, her DNA is there. The three or four, the other Ramseys have been excluded. There's one, some, somebody called unidentified male one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like that person's DNA shows up three different places. But given that like Patsy and Burke can either be excluded or included, I think that's kind of like neither here nor there. But here's the thing, like, so the latest round of testing didn't happen. Apparently, there was some testing done in 2018, and they've never released the results, which is weird to me. What? But the, why the, would, the, the why latest, would that happen? Yeah, I don't know why. They're, and I think that's what the father right now is agitating for. But the, late, the, the latest round of testing that was done publicly that we have public records for is 2009. A lot has changed since 2009 in terms mm-hmm. of, like, what can be tested. Also, the rope around the neck and the wrist had a mixed profile. There was, you know, John Bonet's, but also an unidentified minor component that was not the same as unidentified male one from the other stuff. So it's a different component. But nobody from the family shows up in that. What's weird to me is the electrical tape hasn't been tested. If they have the ransom note, why hasn't that been tested? There's right. hundreds of items. And this is what John Ra- John Ramsey is asking. Yeah, There's the paintbrush hundreds of stick. items. Yeah, the, the, the wooden paint stick paint used... Yeah, that hasn't been tested, and that's weird. But they won't to me. release them, right, or something? They won't. They won't. They won't test them. They haven't tested. Why? Well, they here, haven't they, tested them. So here's my question: How do you preserve something for that long to actually be able to test the DNA 25 plus years later? Maybe oh, that's can, why they're it not be testing it. It, it can. can be yeah, yeah. But are they preserving it, or are they just? That I don't know how they've. I mean, my guess is this was a huge case. I cannot imagine that they have. Like, you know, put the stuff in a warehouse and forgotten about it. I mean, right. I think th- this this stuff keeps revisiting the lab. I wonder if the reason they're not testing some of the things is because they know they didn't F up the handling of it. And like, you know, Linda Arendt, Detective yeah. Arendt's <laughs> DNA is going to show up on it. I don't yeah. know why they're doing that. But there was Patsy's DNA or something on the duct tape. Is that correct? There were some fibers, yeah. It was fibers, fibers from a sweater. Oh. Here's the thing, though. Let me, no, let's be precise. Fibers consistent with... Uh, an article of clothing that she owned consistent with is not the same as mm. from. from and we have right. like, okay. let me tell you like this is the kind of language like people use uh, state experts use in courtrooms medical examiners use it forensic people use it to make a jury think like this is scientifically like a real thing it's kind of like it's just consistent with it doesn't mean it is you know but also she lived there Right. She lived right. there. That's the hard part. You're going to find yeah. them. And, and it could, also... They could have easily transferred. If she went into the, her daughter's room that same night to change her, you know what I mean? She's still wearing that sweater because it was like this, apparently the sweater from that night at the party or whatever it was, jacket or sweater. Like, it could have happened right then. But can we talk about Lou Smith for a second? Yes, yes please. I love Lou He's Smith. He's the one that introduced the intruder theory. Yeah, Lou Smith was a baller. He has he has since passed, but he solved over 200 cold cases. Now, when he walked into this, he was like, it's the Ramses, done and done. He's like, they did it. He said, "If and his exact quote was, if someone broke in and did something to that little girl, it must have been Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. And then 
he kept diving and diving, and that's when he came up with the intruder theory. He spent, what, like 10 years on this or 12 years on this case? A long time. Oh, yeah. He left the investigation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we can we can get into... He, he passed from cancer yeah. a handful of right. years ago, 12 years ago or something. So, but he documented, even when he left the investigation, it was his life's mission. He actually left it to his daughters to continue mm-hmm. yeah. because he died not knowing, and it broke his heart. So during a deposition in 2002, Lou Smith testified that there were animal hairs found on JonBenet's hand that could not be sourced to any item in the house or any individual in the house. And at some other point, like they determined that it seemed like one of the hair was like a beaver hair. And so then they tried to, yeah, which honestly, that's not something that I have been able to, like, this is from an actual deposition, but I have not been able to find the source of the beaver thing, even though it pops up over and over again. Like, I'm like, I haven't found the forensic report to suggest Mm -hmm. it. Do you know how much self-control I just used? To not make a beaver joke. I just, I, just, <laughs> I, I was really reining it in. Go I ahead. Know. Go ahead with your beaver jokes. Okay. Um, no, <laughs> that's all you, Ellen. Um, actually, during the same deposition, um, he is asked, and I cannot believe that this was the attorney hired by, but anyhow, y'all know who Lynn Wood is, right? Anyway, do you guys know who Lynn Wood is? You guys don't know who Lynn Wood is? Okay, we'll just keep it like that. I'm just going to leave it alone. Uh, you can Google him later. <laughs> okay. Trump. Anyway, um, so uh, uh, Lynn Wood asks, any effort made um, to try to ascertain whether there was any beaver hair or other type of animal hairs in the house? And Lou Smith said, yes, when we were at the Ramsey residence in the summer of 97, we took tape and taped all the floors and, and tried to find any source of this animal hair and found none. So there's that, um, which... You're like, it's Colorado, beaver hats, like what? Well, they couldn't find a be- they couldn't find any piece of clothing or a. They're like maybe there was a boot that had some kind of beaver hair lining. Nothing in their house. Um, but they could right. They were something the like an intruder had a beaver hat. Oh, if, if the intruder had it. A- yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, know. like the interesting thing is like it was on her ha- hand. Which yeah. So you're it- thinking like trying to. I don't know. See, this is the thing. This is, again, what happens when you have a shitty investigation. I'm not saying there was a beaver at the house where they had the party, but maybe there was a beaver. Maybe she picked it up the party and nobody knows. Taxidermy, something, right? But if it was on her hand and her clothing had been changed, it would probably be less likely to have stayed on her hand uh, is what I'm trying Mm -hmm. to say. But then you bring up – well, no, you didn't bring it up, but I'm jumping all over the place. So you you need to, like, rein us back in chronologically. Please do. Uh, We have no um, – Wait, okay, yeah. this, is a, this is a talk show. We take it wherever, you know, yeah. we're not okay, going so through Okay, so we everything. let it go organically. Yeah. Okay, so let's say the intruder has a beaver hat on. The guy probably has a boot. There was a boot print. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that. So are switching sides? Well, I'm so, exploring all sides. I am too. I am <laughs> too. You all, Rabia, we need to we need to post our text conversations because <laughs> I have gone back and forth on this so many times. I have so, not though, but yeah. But um, no, no, actually, no, that's not did. true. That's I did a true. little bit. I did. You I did. did once. I did once. Okay, fine. Um, so <laughs> d- did you see how intensely I got in the Zoom? I was like, that's not true. That's not true. Who um, <laughs> thought it so, was my dad? Just to recap, the DNA evidence from her fingernails and her underwear indicated that the attacker was absolutely male and it was not a Ramsey male. There's that long was from- johns, long johns, underwear, and there's a profile on her, on her fingernails as well. Right. But that fingernail profile does not match the other times the unidentified male number one has shown up, which is three different places on her clothing. Yeah. Now, I know there are some like there are some conversation about, oh, the manufacturer and the underwear. Right. But we're not talking about just underwear. We're also talking about long johns. You know what I mean? Right. Unless the same manufacturer manufacturer. Right. It doesn't make any it makes just it's to me no that sense. theory yeah. is has holds no water. 
that was just for anyone who doesn't know it. There was a factory worker DNA theory, which was Mm -hmm. basically like um, it could have been left at the time that the clothing was manufactured and like (laughs) hair new underwear that had yeah they did they did the control testing with the underwear and of course there's going to be trace evidence on every single thing, but it doesn't really hold up. I have a question about the. the sexual assault, because you said yeah. that it showed that it had been done possibly older, days before. Yeah. So if that was an intruder, how would that make sense? Like, he came I in have a theory. sexually. Oh, I'd like hear to it. hear it. I, here's I my, also have a theory. Do you have do you, theory? Want to, do you want to say it now? Go. You go first. All right. Here's my theory. I have too many friends who have experienced being um, sexually assaulted and molested as children by acquaintances, by friends of the mm-hmm. family, by others who just happened to be in and out of the house. The Ramseys had a party at their house three days earlier than this. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I actually wonder if it was somebody who knew the layout of the house, the basement where they left her. They, you know what I mean? And and already was me- had been messing with John mm-hmm. Bonet. I, I wonder about that. So I think the evidence of sexual assault is really important. And obviously... <sighs> I I just I don't I don't know if that but the problem is again how do you prove who it is right like how do you prove it was you know not the father or the brother or the or the the I don't know the guy who mows the lawn or a friend who was there at a party 3 days earlier like it's really I don't know if there's because there's no semen found there's no DNA that could have been taken from a sexual assault basically in this instance they think that she had been maybe assaulted with that wooden that stick, right, Oof. or something, which was a broken paintbrush. Right, 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 right. Yeah, which, yeah, that that is that is how she. But was. there's no evidence that she had been um, penetrated, like like by a you know by a man. See, and that brings right back to the raped. brother. Yeah, right. Well, let me. So let me ask you, since there was different DNA found in fingernails and clothing, can that stay in your fingernails? Like, let's say it was the, happened three days prior at the party, would that same DNA still be able to be traced, like in her fingernails? And if she hadn't showered. I just wonder, like, if you haven't washed that well. It wasn't COVID, so you definitely didn't know the ABC song yeah. to wash your hands. That's a you great question. I mean? We'll talk about the intruder suspects mm-hmm. in a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do think the point, kind of what I was talking about, about pageants, when when I give you this list of suspects that Lou Smith left his daughters to investigate. Oh, you have that? He, well, it's, it's public, yeah. It's public? And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... It is, I actually just got chills. I have a daughter, she's 13. And when you hear how many men, disgusting, scary men, had full access to this baby girl because of the photographer, like you mentioned, the Santa Claus, Mm -hmm. the electrician, Mm -hmm. all of these creepy dudes that go and watch this pageant. Now, of Mm -hmm. course, no parent would knowingly put their child in harm's way, but when you do put your kids out there in a certain way, it's a big conversation with social media. There are many, many stars in Hollywood that don't like putting their kids' faces mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, but pedophile's gonna pedophile, right? I mean, like, predators like this are gonna do this, whether or not you put sure. your job. But yeah, certainly. But when you if this, hear this list yeah. of intruders, so just going back to the, the last bits of the intruder theory, so Someone had mentioned the boot print, mm-hmm. um, that high-tech boot, which was found yeah. next to Jean Benet's body. Now, no one can, but the thing is, no one can verify that wasn't when the Keystone Cops of it all was going on. No one yeah, can right. verify if it was part Where of it. it came from, we, yeah. We do know, well, Michael Helgoth, one of the yes. people that you yes. had mentioned, he did have high-tech boots. No one in the family had high-tech boots. But what was it doing there? But couldn't they have gotten a boot and put it there? 
Who? The family? Like, if it was to be a cover-up, I mean, every movie you've ever seen, they do the footprints. Like, if I was going to... I do it for my kid with Santa. But like, I mean, if I was going to try I mean, and cover look, something up, that, I'd put a footprint. I, if you're going to do that, I'm guessing what you'd actually do is be like, I'm going to fake footprints leaving outside the window <laughs> or outside right. the house. Right. But right. then you'd have the boot, and then that would when just you have be, a boot. Well, yeah. no, you get rid of the boot. Yeah. Look but, you. you know, I, I do think Hogarth <laughs> is actually a really strong suspect. I think we should talk a little bit about more I, reasons I think he could be a good suspect on this one. Yeah, let's talk about Michael Helgoth. One of you emailed, I'm not sure which one, but you knew a lot about it. Go ahead. The weirdest thing about him was that as soon as like they stated that they had a new person of interest in the case, he supposedly, I say supposedly committed suicide because that's a whole other weird thing too with his gunshot wounds and where yeah. the gun was left and all of that. That raises yeah. like your eyebrows as well because none of it, none of, nothing makes sense. It is, I always say this case, do you remember Remember that movie Clue? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love and, that movie. And they were like, or yes. it could have happened like this, and they do yeah. it again. Yeah. Or With the lead could, pipe as, in the library. Yeah. Yeah. It always changes. So Always. On what you're talking about was on February 13th, 1997, when that DA, Alex Hunter, said in a press conference. The list of suspects narrows. Soon there will be no one on the list but you. Basically, he said, we know who it is and we're after you. And the very next day, Michael Helgoth was found. It appeared that he died by suicide, but there's a lot of inconsistencies about that, too. A lot. A lot. What are yeah. your theories on that? Yeah, so he died of a shotgun wound to the chest, but apparently it was like he had apparently shot himself on the wrong side of the body as he would have because he was right-handed or something. There was the bullet hole went in the opposite direction that you would expect it. Like, so it, this, the scene looked really shady. Um, but yeah. also, yeah, suspicious. But they also found a high-tech boot. They also found a stun gun in his possession. Mm. And he had said months before John right. Renee's, um killing, or, or at least, I don't know, at some point before her killing, he told somebody else that, you know, I've got a, this deal going on. I'm going to make like 50, 60K on it. He's told this other guy, I want to crack a human skull. I, look, people make shit up a lot. So I don't put mm -hmm. a whole lot of like, you know, weight onto those statements. But apparently he also confessed. So can we talk about that? How did he get connected to the case? The problem with Helgot, though, is the question of like, how is he connected to the Ramses? Like, I right. actually have no idea. And if there was an intruder who got into that house... We're assuming the only way they could have gotten in was that broken window. That right. broken window was not apparent from the lawn. Like, you couldn't just stand outside and say, oh, look, there's a broken window. Mm -hmm. It was like inside, like this wet, like this little window well outside. You had to squeeze into that little well and then drop down into it. It was not an easy. You'd entrance. have to know the house. Somebody had to saying. know. Exactly. Somebody had to know that window was there and broken and a way to get in and out. Right. And But it is possible because Lou Smith demonstrated it on video. So it can oh, be done. Somebody can yeah. done, but only if you know it's there. Right? Now, I will say this. If somebody's staking out the house and looking for every possible entrance, this house had 100 windows and nine external doors. And maybe if somebody did do, and, you know, they apparently had an alarm system they didn't actually use. They had no cameras. I mean, it was like, you know, so if somebody was staking out the house and just kind of wandering around, they could have possibly found it. Yeah. Right. So then is someone we mentioned, Randy Simons. The personal photographer. photographer. Personal photographer, which is so bizarre. Yeah. You don't have one? <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. He apparently did a lot of pageant 
kids. I mean, like, that was, like, his thing. His That's job. Yeah, so why is he yeah. a person of interest? Well, he had 15 counts of first-degree sexual abuse right. in 2019. Mm-hmm. He was also arrested in 1998 for walking down the street naked. I mean, you you can still be a brand photographer weird. and a creep at the same time. You know? Yeah, and that's really strange, too, because it's like he had such access to her and he was a pedophile. But what, did they not test his DNA? This is why I think so much of this DNA is crap. All of these men tested, the DNA tested to be not them. Uh, about the DNA testing. So it was done through CODIS, right? Uh-huh. Um, and CODIS would have likely had at least these suspects' DNA in the system, I'm assuming. I don't know if they independently went outside of CODIS and got samples from them to do it, but I know it was run in CODIS. The problem with CODIS is like, what if it's somebody who's not in the system? Also, again, we have all these untested items that could have evidence we don't know, which is why I think like, you know, what the Ramses have been trying to do is to get further DNA testing, but also do genetic genealogy. And we'll get to that, I think, to wrap this up. I just want you to see what Randy Simons looks like. Oh, please Oh, please do. I'm going to show them to you first. Ooh. Okay, but who, what could he look like to you? Santa Claus. Bingo. But what does Santa have to do with this? Oh, my God. I'm just saying. But But wouldn't the family know if he was the old man Santa that she had the relationship with? There was another old man Santa. But I'm just saying, zooming out, thinking of that night, some old man saying, do you come downstairs and Santa will be oh there on my, Christmas Oh my God. Night. Oh my God. I'm just saying that I have been doing this long enough where my brain goes to the crazy place. Is that the picture of the photographer or John Yeah, That's the photographer. That's not even okay. the Santa. There's a whole other Santa. I know. I get too excited. Sorry. I'll calm down. Oh, yeah, wow. I, I, I mean, not to be discriminatory, but I would be discriminatory. I wouldn't let that person take pictures of my child (laughs) yeah absolutely well obviously because i wouldn't have my kid in pageants but like just looking at him but you just showing that picture and that theory is very interesting it's very interesting i mean she was six there was another santa claus you know bill mcreynolds who literally was the santa claus and they had a weird special connection like right she gave him glitter a vial of glitter he wanted to be buried with because maybe he loved her. Right. I, I don't, don't think I it don't, was him. I don't think it was. I, that felt like an old man. You know, they're like so sweet. These old men. They're like, like I don't know. I don't know who it was. I've never but seen Randy Simons it. with that with that list of child abuse. He has he pedophile had. things against him. So that is a yeah. big red flag. That's a big yeah. red flag. My God. Finishing off this list is John Mark Carr. He's the one who confessed to the murder in 2006. And in said Thailand. That he loved, yeah. In, in, yes, he was extradited from Thailand, and he was again, in Thailand DNA... hiding out for pedophile charges. Yeah, yeah. Of course, oh, he's going to take credit for that. It's so that's weird. like the ultimate pedophile. Ugh, you know, so disturbing. So, what is wrong with people? I. It's very many things. The last I one know. was <laughs> you're like trust me. <laughs> was John Eustace? John Eustace. This story is is. Uh, you can Google him. It's really upsetting. He kidna- He was a serial kidnapper, a serial rapist. He kidnapped a two-year-old <gasps> and essayed her, much like Jean Benet. <gasps> and he had a scrapbook of photographs of Jean Benet alongside a Barbie doll and like a makeshift altar to Jean Benet. <gasps> Before or after? So his charges for that two-year-old were after. Oh, after. And that scrapbook old? was yeah. after as well. He had well. an alibi. He had an alibi. 
He has a loose alibi. He was mm-hmm. supposed, he was in Charlotte, he definitely was in Charlotte in December 26th. And they they surmised that he wouldn't have had enough money to get from Denver. I don't I don't know. It is the, the creepy. The creeps have never left me while we've been. Listen, I, I I can virtually guarantee he's not the only creep in this country with this scrapbook about and alter to John Bonet. There's right. a lot of sickos right. out there. People fan, like these nasty guys fantasize about. But the lead detectives, like how this the case just continued to further fall apart. <laughs> I think it's important to talk about how nobody was on the same page ever. Yeah. Everything was just chaos. Nobody was mm-hmm. listening. The Denver police wanted to help the Boulder police because they were a bigger city and the Boulder police was like, nah, we got this. And I just think, I don't think this is the time to have an ego around your investigative capabilities. I think we're all on the same page that we want to find out what happened to this baby. Yeah, different investigators came to different kind of conclusions. You know, you had some that said, we think it was somebody in the family, Patsy specifically, then Lou Smith really believed sincerely it was an intruder and not the parents. You know, when I kind of think about like Christmas Day, when my kids have a busy day, it's a holiday, they are wiped out at night. I mean, they're like, mm-hmm. you know, by nine o'clock, because they're up oh. early in the morning, you know, getting open oh, yeah. the Christmas gifts. They're, they're out all day. The other thing that makes me crazy is we don't know what happened before that Christmas party. We don't know what the entire day was like, right? My guess is, though, if it was like any Christmas for a lot of kids, they're wiped out. A six-year-old, nine-year-old are wiped out by the end of the day. Also, they had a, they had a trip early in the morning for a family vacation. What a weird time for anybody in the family to be like, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night I'm going to kill her. I mean, like, it. and if you're going to make it look like a kidnapping, why not go dump her body somewhere? Why be like, oh, it's in my basement? I mean, like, they could have, they lived in flipping Colorado. They could have actually led the police on in, on a wild, you know, goose chase looking for the body instead of planting it in their basement, which would have pointed only ever at them. Why would anyone leave her there then, right? Be- no, what, I think somebody who was going to kidnap her, accidentally killed her, said, forget this, I'm not taking off with a kid's body. That makes much more sense because now all the suspicion goes to the parents. And if a parent wanted to like really make it look like somebody else took it other than the, the ransom note, which was crazy, I, I think if there was a real cover-up there, it would. there have been so many more things. They could have unlocked the door to her balcony. Her, the door to her balcony, she had a balcony outside her room, was secured. They could have, there would have been so many more ways to stage that she had been taken and kidnapped or something versus like what was there. I And again, I go back to the, the that, that garrot, garret, whatever you yeah. call it. I just, no nine-year-old knows how to do that. I don't think no. my husband would know how to I do agree. that. Most people don't know how to do that. I think that's somebody who's like done a little bit of like fantasizing. If I was going to kill somebody, if I was like, you know, going to control somebody, they looked it up, they're quoting ransom in there. This is somebody who like tried to play out some, tried to play out some kind of fantasy, I think. And, and maybe they didn't mean to kill her, but they did. And then, but they just left her and all the time and like everything that went down, went down in their basement. Like that's a lot of time you're taking with this child in their home. But so here's you are the thing. Intruder, yeah. This house has four levels. That basement is not two oh. floors away. It is three floors away from where the parents are. The house had a basement, a main floor, uh, the second floor that had the kids' bedrooms, and then the third floor that with the whole floor was pretty much the parents' rooms. And where the parents' bed was on one side of the house, it's a 7,000 square foot house, a big house. Oh my the God. parents' bedroom was on one end of the third floor, and um, John Bonet's bedroom was on the other end of the second floor. So that they, says it, something to me. Yeah. And then it, it said, <laughs> Sorry. This, uh, as a mom. this person yeah, as a takes. Mom. 
Yeah, I know. I was like, I can't be that far away from. But, you know, I'm not a filthy rich person. If this person took her down to the basement, like they could have been there for a while and nobody would have known. They also could have been in the house waiting. They could have been. They totally could have been. Yeah. And the the photographer would have known the house because the photographer probably was there often and he was probably someone she trusted and she would go with him. I think it was a photographer now. I think she was carried out of her bed. I think she was stunned and carried out of her bed. I don't think she followed. I think she'd been too wiped out to even wake up. But the thing is, it's like if somebody was already in there, they could have taken their time to look around. You know, I don't know. I mean, I think, Olivia, I think you're exactly right, because if there was an intruder, they sure as hell knew the layout of that house. They also felt very much at home because they took out that pen and paper, exactly how you said, and they put it back. Put it back. Mm. Exactly. They put Where it was back. it? Where was the pen and paper located? Like in a drawer, you know, like in like the kitchen. In the like the a, living room, kitchen or something? Kitchen, like a utility drawer. And do, 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 do. And, you know, did, they disguised their handwriting. We know that. They made it kind of, you know, shaky. It, that was the only thing they could conclude was that it was disguised. And then they put it back. They very much felt comfortable. Yeah. Exactly. To know the layout. They were in the cornermost part of the house. And the other thing I wonder is because I, and I've seen no reports about this, right? The kind of house they had, I'm guessing it's the kind of neighborhood where if there's somebody, a car parked out, like you're going to notice it. I live in a suburb, right? And you always the, notice. You always notice. The second there's like, who's that sitting outside in their car, right? Like you notice it. People notice it. There's no reports to suggest that the neighbors were questioned to say, like, was there a suspicious car in the neighborhood? Was some, you know, were people loitering around there? Like, there's just so much unknown. But I think what's the most frustrating thing here is that they will not continue to DNA test for some reason. I don't know why they're stonewalling the family. I think the most recent, in the last couple of years, John Ramsey, and Patsy died of cancer mm-hmm. about, what, a decade ago. Mm-hmm. John Ramsey has been doing everything possible to get a more DNA testing done. He's been so, so loud about it, which you think would be the opposite, that he would just sneak off and not say anything if he, he is, but he went to the governor and was begging Mm. the governor to release this information, the media frenzy around this, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the pageants and the parents. I mean, confirmation bias is going to support what we already think, and if the media is already putting them out there like this, your brain is going to go there every time. Like, that's how we interpret evidence. So, and that's what we want. We want justice. Now, on one hand, you want to believe all parents love their kids because we're all parents. Mm-hmm. And But then those parents put her kids in pageants and made her look Listen, like an adult. I don't and, care about the pageants. I mean, I do care about the pageants, but I don't I'm think telling, the pageants are but relevant. I'm saying to this. how the media portrayed oh, yeah, them to mm-hmm. the public. And all of us. And I, I mean, I imagine if she had not been a pageant child, that whole part of this, the story was gone. I think we would have had so much more sympathy for this family. Yep. But I also think there's some element of like, you know, these are like really rich people. They don't react like you and I. They're kind of waspy. I don't, I think, I don't know like what their background is, but they seem kind of waspy. But to me, it all comes down to unidentified male, number one. I mean, to me, mm. that's, this is a male ID. I mean, this shows up three times. It could be there even more because there's stuff that's not, you know, I want the letter. I want the ransom note DNA tested. I want the, you know, the electrical That's tape. mind boggling to me that they haven't yeah. tested that letter for yeah. anything. Yeah. And also how sad is it if the parents, re- if Patsy really didn't have anything, like they lost their daughter and they're being then accused of killing her. Could you even fathom that? I was thinking, that's so interesting, Olivia, that you said that. I was actually thinking about that this morning because I've gone through every theory. Mm -hmm. And 
And then this morning, just for one second, I said, and John Ramsey is is still alive and still very much here and present. And I thought, what if, God forbid, I just got chills, something happened to any of our kids and they turned to us. And I just for one moment put myself in his shoes and what he goes through every day because all we all we all want is justice for this baby girl. I mean, that's why we're we're so obsessed with this with this case because there's no confirmed narrative. It is absolutely unsolved. And it and and there's no single coherent narrative. Look at all the places no. we've gone right. in just a short right. amount of time. And this has been 25 years, but I thought exactly what you just said. What if they've just been sitting and being attacked this whole time? It's brutal. It's in the press too, like the way they spin things and and really point us as people. If we're not sharp enough, we, you know, we can be a bit sheepish. Where's the brother now? The brother did that Dr. Phil interview a couple years ago. That really eerie grin on his face kind of thing. But I'm not a doctor, but he seemed to be neurodivergent. I'm neurodivergent and I do sometimes act odd in high pressure situations I'll smile when I'm uncomfortable or something and I do agree his behavior was odd but if that I mean could you imagine being JonBenet Ramsey's brother your whole life there's no way for this family to behave that would be okay with any of us some people some of us would find it weird if they're cool and calm and it's also been 25 years guys no matter what they did it's odd you know what I mean like so when I watch videos of John Ramsey and I and I also read that he was calm and collected on the day that she just she was murdered, yeah. But you know, I that's maybe that's just who he is. You know, I might not be like that. I might be more like Patsy, where I'm just losing my shit and mm-hmm. burning stuff down. The only real evidence we have is like whatever is the physical evidence in, in the possession of the state. I do not understand why they won't release it. Somebody like Cece Moore or, no, or another genetic genealogist yes. could absolutely. If they can't, if they ran CODIS and they cannot get a hit on this DNA, they can use genetic genealogy, which has, which has been used to solve hundreds of unsolved cases by now. My question is, why won't they do it? Why won't they? Have you guys like anything about this conversation has shifted like your yes opinion? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> I will say what I want to say is yes. I think the point that you brought up about the photographer who's super creepy and looks like Santa, like that, puts that into my mind. Okay, I could feasibly see it being him uh, and being in the house, knowing the house, all of that, her trusting him, or maybe she, he stung Gunter, whatever. But I still have, there's still holes for me. And like, Rabia, when you were like, uh, someone would notice a suspicious car. So like that intruder theory kind of is a little debunked because there was no oddities reported or. Nope, nope. But here's the thing the reason it wasn't debunked is, is nobody asked the question. Oh, if so nobody, they weren't asked. So it could have been there, but nobody was asked about it. <laughs> Maybe if somebody went to the neighbors and said, "Did you?" And, the, and all of them said, "There, yeah, there's this white van sitting out all night." I mean, like nobody knows. But you don't right. think they would have come forward with all that hoopla of like, guys, there right. was a weird ass white van all night. Like, I feel like someone would have. Sometimes come people come forward, that. and sometimes police reports aren't taken. When the police decide that it's this theory and that's all they go with. And very early on, they did they did think it was the family and I think they just weren't, like, we just don't know. The point is, it was a terribly done investigation. Right. And so and we just don't Christmas know. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Right, people so people are busy. And... out of town, not paying yeah. attention, maybe had one too many spike right. knocks, you know. <laughs> right. But the other hole I was going to say really quickly was, if it was him and an intruder brings her to the basement does all the things in the basement, even though it's a big house, I still find it really weird 
that it all went down there and she was left there. Those are my holes. But I also mm-hmm. have it, the, what you've brought up definitely has shifted. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. That. If you let's say let's say it was an intruder and they took her mm-hmm. to the basement and they mm-hmm. assaulted her somehow and they killed mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Do you find it weird that after killing her they didn't take her? Is that what you find weird? I find the whole thing weird. Why assault <laughs> her in her own basement? Mm-hmm. Right? Why bring her down there to do the deed, sexual whatever, or with the paint whatever it was and then tie her up and then hit her on the head and then kill her like the struggles in the basement so maybe it was trying to take her out of the house through the basement and she was fighting back so hard and it all went down like that that is Mm. possible but i do think it's a little odd for it all all of it to go down in the basement in the home i do definitely think it all went down in the basement though i think she was carried out of her bed and then taken to the basement. Right. I just mean yeah. like to go through all those deeds and all yeah, the yeah, things yeah. that happened, them all yeah. happened. And that house. paintbrush came from the basement. It was right there. There's a paint right. kit right It was there. like her. It was Patsy's yeah. paintbrush or something. Yeah. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> you, should do, you guys should do a true crime podcast. What about you, Olivia? Where are you on this, Olivia? You know, I was on Something Happened. The family covered it up. Um, we also, didn't we have a medium tell us that that... Yeah, Medium said it was a family cover-up. It was a family cover-up. Um, we, we we contacted a Medium on this. We went really far. I am in love with that. Was that yeah. just, just in preparation for this podcast? We were actually already talking to him, but because we've we, been so knee-deep in it, we're like, okay. another we question. Your, we have a question. You know? Okay. And he said it was indeed a family cover-up. Mm. I believe it was someone that knew her. I'm leaning towards the photographer because of his past with the sexual assaults, working with children and having so much access to her and the home and the family. There was like that familiarity that I feel like happened with the stationery and the pen and 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 the window, like all of it to me says someone had been there before. Mm. So you guys are you guys are now both leaning towards intruder. Yeah, you got us. Okay. Robbie, you, you, Robbie you I told feel, us. Well, you I, there are still holes for me. <laughs> no, no, I get, that. I get that. Holes. But Let's, I want to know, is he still alive, the photographer? I believe so because, yes. I feel like we need to, we need to, we have questions. Yeah. yeah can, I would not want to talk to that get person. Him here? I think it's fascinating the gross incompetence of the police department. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. sit and what if anything, but, you know, what if. They left her body. There's a whole slew of people that think that John Ramsey was super suspicious for bringing her upstairs and not keep. Please, if but that he's were, a father if, with your deceased child, like yeah, you would uh, act. Who knows how you would yeah. act? Right. Yeah. And Rabia always says you have to lead that someone is innocent until proven guilty. Right, Rabia. That's what we learned in lawyer school. That's the right <laughs> but, thing to so be. If you're the right leading, way to be. Yeah. If you're leading with that, there was so much speculation, and I was right there. I actually made a TikTok about this like two years ago about how Burke did it. I should take that down before I get sued. I think you're absolutely right. I think that we don't want to not know. So putting it on the family is the easiest thing. That way we have a resolution because unidentified male doesn't make sense for our brain. It doesn't make sense for our heart because we want this baby girl to have justice. That's what we want for her. And I keep spinning my head as to why they just don't test that evidence. And if it was John, why would he be going on 
ev- this is this was as early as this July. He was on TV saying, "Please yeah. release this DNA. Please release this DNA." Why wouldn't he just go hide in the mountains somewhere and mm-hmm. never be seen again? They've they've mm-hmm. been publicly exonerated, right? Like they don't have to keep doing this. But and I'll say and I'll say I'll this is let me say my piece. My piece is this: if it was John, explain unidentified male DNA. If it was Burke, explain unidentified male. Like, I keep coming back to, there is no man who should have had their DNA on her underwear and her long johns in three different spots. Nobody, nobody. To me, the only explanation is that it was somebody from outside who did this. And I, if if the, if Colorado has effed up the other evidence and that's why they won't hand it over and they're saying nothing, then they need to just come clean about that and let John Ramsey like move on with his life instead of spending years petitioning for this and begging them to do it. Yeah. So yeah, who's I your, don't think who's it was your, John. Who's your intruder then? Who's your, what's your theory? I don't Rania? know. It could be literally somebody who's not even on this list. I am leaning like 95% towards intruder theory. I do believe is an intruder, and I think that the answer can be found if they did the proper testing, as sophisticated as it is today, and used genealogical methods as well. And I don't know why they won't do it. And I want to know what happened in 2018. Why are they not giving us those results? I just want to throw out one little yeah. thing before we go, and then we can text about it later. <laughs> Michael Helgoth. Yes. In that weird death by suicide, what if the person who killed him who made it look like a suicide was the other person involved. Sure. Yeah. Got rid of Michael, staged it like a suicide, and that person, whether it be Randy or someone else, is the key to the answers because we didn't even talk about the fact that a lot of people think it was two people. Somebody writing, somebody doing, it was uh-huh. a two-person job. So right. that whole suspicion about the time that Michael Helgoth died, right. the day after that announcement, and it looking like a staged suicide, like for part two. We have to do this. <laughs> we I know, I know. There's yeah, way too endless. much to cover, for sure. But yeah, and they didn't prove that it was the girlfriend that shot him, right? Right, no. Oh. But you guys are incredible investigators, <laughs> and you guys really did your research, and it, it becomes kind of addicting. You just kind of want to oh, know yeah. more and understand more. You guys are amazing. No, this isn't over. Like, I'm going to go to bed tonight, and I'm just going to read everything else and then come yeah. up with all these other theories. But you definitely, you guys were awesome at, like, showing me and opening my mind because now I'm like, okay, now i got to test all these theories. Yes. Yeah. Just earlier today, I was like, who uses Garrett's? I was like, like, do hunters use them? Like, where right. are like, they why? in video games? Like, are like, we in the 18th even, century? Like, right. what where is do you happening? even learn about? Where do you even learn about? Yeah, maybe somebody who's like into really dark stuff might know yeah. something about yeah. that. Um, oh, but so I, the average person doesn't even know that's a thing. They just don't. No, we don't but, know how to pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know how to pronounce I it. I hope but one also- day we find out. I really do. I, I, think, I do, yeah. too. I, I do too. feel like we might. I mean, when we're we recording could. this, the Kristen Smart case was just the the verdict right. just came in just yep. yesterday. So right. justice can be served even 26 years later, Absolutely. which is Yeah, it was the guy who was a college friend, right? Yeah. Or that yeah, she was Paul seen Flores, walking yeah. with. Oof. Yeah. I just want to say thank you guys for coming on. I mean, I, I know we said we were going to solve the case. Where I land is that this was an intruder. The mystery will be solved with further DNA testing. That's where I'm at. But, you know, thank you guys for bringing us the one case that I dreaded and has kept me up for days now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
It was our most requested case, I do think, it really for was, so yeah. many reasons. Was it? it yeah. really was. Yeah. So thank you to the broad idea ladies, Rachel yes. and Olivia. I just I am you have love a new show. fan. I absolutely Aww, love your show. You. Thank you thank all for you. listening. Where can folks follow you? Any of the platforms, anywhere you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple, what have you, you can find broad ideas. B R O A D. Broad. Like yes, how we're broad. A couple of broads talking about yeah. broad ideas. I love it. Thank you guys so much. Oh my Thank gosh, you. Welcome. You guys are amazing. Amazing. Anytime to come and oh. chat with us. I insist because yes, like please. it's all I want to do is solve cases. So please have us back whenever. And I love your guys' energies together. Yeah, you're it's awesome. so fantastically matched. Oh, we love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it really is. Robbie, congratulations on your Thank big you. win. That's huge. So he's home. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Happy I can She's say it to queen. you face to face. <laughs> Thank you. Thank right. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, all right, guys. Thank you guys. Have a great Thanks, day. Thanks, guys. Right, take Bye. care. Bye-bye. So thank you so much to the beautiful and smart and talented Rachel Bilson and Olivia Allen. Yep. Thank you guys for bringing us the case that I didn't want to do, but we got through it. (laughs) We made it through it. It was hard. It's a really hard one. You know, look, my heart will never stop breaking for that little girl, but I hope we are getting closer to some justice for her. I absolutely hope so. And thank you all for listening. Mm -hmm. And please, we love hearing from you and interacting with us on social medias. So please follow us on all our platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're at at Rabia and Ellen. And we have a Facebook group, a private Facebook group that is so like exclusive. We gotta let you in. You gotta ask and we gotta let you in. Yeah, Rabia and Ellen solved the case. And there's just a bunch of your true crime best friends. We talk about the case and people are so insightful. It's absolutely such a blast. People come with receipts. Also, if you wanna leave a message for us that we can play, maybe during a live, maybe during an episode, you can leave a message by going to the website, speak pipe.com slash solve the case once again that's speakpipe.com slash solve the case and we would love to hear from you we're going to play some of your thoughts and ideas on future episodes and if you feel like leaving us a review please go to itunes or spotify or wherever you can review and that just helps other people like you find our podcast if you don't want to leave a five-star review might i suggest you don't do that don't do that just 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 you know distract yourself with something (laughs) else yeah (laughs) but thank you so much we will be going live with this episode on thursday at noon on instagram at rabia and ellen we're going to talk about more ideas we're going to take your questions and some of you can even come live with us and talk about anything we didn't get to in the case yep all right looking forward to it see you guys then thank you